0: Welcome to Creature Feature, an expedition through the bizarre world of animal and human behavior to discover how eerily similar we are to our untamed animal cousins. I'm Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology at Harvard, and I currently write as a bird on Twitter. Today, we're talking about the weirdest ways love is expressed and experienced. Shakespeare said, love makes fools of us all. Sometimes that means loving someone or something that wants to kill you. Days after his arrest, the mass shooter who killed 17 people at Parkland High School started receiving suggestive letters from men and women who claimed to be attracted to him. What would cause someone to fall for someone so repulsively barbaric? Is this something left over from a time when the ability to kill helped ensure survival? Could deadly attraction be caused by a brain parasite? You can find examples of love and attraction that confounds explanation in all corners of the animal kingdom and human culture. To help us make sense of all this weird love, today we have Alex Schiffman, host of the podcast At Least There's This.
1: Hi, happy to be had.
0: All right, so, you know, sometimes love can be blind or weird or twisted, and you would hope that when you fall in love with someone, they're nice and... You know, just just a good person, donates, treats puppies well, does the gosh darn dishes. But sometimes we fall for less than perfect people. And in fact, we fall for dangerous people. And that's where we get, you know, the femme fatale and the bad boy stereotypes and all of those Twilight books.
1: Both Jacob and Edward are bad boys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, who do I choose? This sullen bad boy or this sullen bad boy? Do
1: I want sparkly bad boy or hairy bad boy?
0: Right, and people get real worked up over it.
1: You better choose the bad boy with the skin <laughs> condition that I like.
0: I like bringing up Twilight in 2018. I think it's a good thing.
1: It makes us really relevant. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel <laughs> so old right now that this thing that was, like, teased when I was a kid is now ancient history. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's kind of a terrifying idea, like, you would fall in love with someone who's, like, you know, making tuxedos out of human skin or something. But, like, there are people who actually do fall in love with serial killers. There's, like, serial killer groupies who send in love letters to people like Ted Bundy and ask them to marry them. And it's really baffling because it's not... I mean, there's definitely an aspect of, like, oh, it's a dangerous bad boy, but... A lot of it is they think that they can change them, like the Parkland shooter. Like, you would hope that that would not be a teenage heartthrob because he's just awful and pathetic. But, like, there's a bunch of love letters and fan mail, and it happens every time, almost every time. I guess
1: it fits your Team Jacob, Team Edward thing, right? (laughs) Like, this is some broken, evil soul, but the only thing it's missing is, like, me, because I'm so pure, clearly. Right and perfect and will will fit together. It's really fucked up.
0: Yeah. But I want to take the fuckery level just a notch higher. Like imagine if there is like this national phenomenon where it's not just these few people who are falling in love with serial killers, but more and more people every day and you know, it's getting really bad. People are falling out of love with normal people and into love with cannibals and awful Ted Bundy esque people and scientists are baffled and then they discover that it's it's a brain parasite that's transforming normal, healthy people who fall in love with normal, healthy people into these, you know, serial killer fan people and just falling desperately in love and seeking them out to their own peril. This is actually a reality for little rats. And it's they fall in love with the most dangerous And awful of creatures in Ratsville, which is cats, and it's all caused by this little troublemaker called T. Gondi, which is a protozoan that infects their brain. And initially, researchers just thought it made them unafraid of cats, which is still incredible. Like they would just kind of like, oh, there's a cat, whatever. Like maybe we can like chill, and they'd go up to the cat, and the cat would eat them. But now it's like, they're like, oh, there's a cat. Maybe we can Netflix and chill. Uh, <laughs> they did this experiment where they took uh, rats and they exposed them to cat urine, which sounds just real hot. Um, but uh, and then they also exposed them to female rat smells, and they, you know, pulled their brains out, which is typically the fate of <laughs> lab rats. Um,
1: First, we're gonna make you smell cat pee. <laughs> then we're gonna pull the brain out of your skull.
0: Well, that's the thing is they l- couldn't get enough of that cat pee. That was like crack for them. It was like they they loved that cat pee. They so they had infected some of the rats with T. Gondi. Then they took you know took out the brain. They call it they called it the day of sacrifice in the in the study, which I find really funny. Yeah, that sounds like.
1: Some Indiana Jones shit, which I yeah. don't want my scientists talking about.
0: Right, like like my image of them now has turned into like they have a little teeny tiny stone altar and like you know just little little tiny candles. A
1: knife <laughs> made out of uh, like volcanic glass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, they found that uh, the rats that had been infected with T. Gondi had increased activity in the part of the brain associated with sexual activity, mating, uh, which. Coincidentally, it's actually neighboring there, the brain that functions as the defensive part where it's like, no, you idiot, get out of here. That cat's like got the munchies for you. And the theory is that the T. gondii creates these cysts in that region and the cysts actually kind of like uh, reroute the defense system into sexy, sexy land, sexy time. And they're like, instead of like, oh, I should run. It's like, I should bone it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's always the inflection you want when you're thinking about sex. <laughs> I should, I guess, I should. There's something so deeply pornographic about that. <laughs> I I can't quite put my finger on it because I think it would be gross if I did. Right. But there's something about like wanting to bone a thing that wants to eat you.
0: Oh, I'm sure there's. I mean, it's
1: it's like a vor fetish. I'm sure I think. it's already exists. Yeah. Oh, I, like, definitely. I'm,
0: I'm sure it's it exists and it's like there's hundreds of thousands of porns of it, I'm sure. Yeah, that's the plural. Yeah, yeah. Th- there are porns. So I think what's what's also really twisted about it is the T. does this because it's going to have an orgy in the cat's gut like (laughs) it's all about fucking
1: everybody wants to fuck something except for the cat the cat just wants to eat the cat is the most innocent thing in this whole uh this whole ordeal
0: but maybe it's just like fueling up to go to bone town
1: (laughs) i gotta go bone but i am hungry right what's this this is a snack this is a snack with uh, a weird rat it's a
0: consenting snack that's unusual this is like
1: Okay what's something you're deeply afraid of I'm deeply afraid of uh, people in giant cars right you know there's all mm. those people driving around Silver Lake with really loud cars with like yeah. giant rims they scare the F out of me and right. I do my best to stay away from them <laughs> This is like if I got infected with something where I was like I'm gonna you go hit on get, I'm gonna go hit on that you
0: want to get on that car.
1: <laughs> loving dude and see what he's up to hey
0: I think that's what they think will be the effect. <laughs> is it... I think that those people that, that have those big cars are like, yeah, this will make people want to, like, you know, get some of this. And I'm for it. Well, lucky for you, you could get infected with it. Humans can be infected by T. Gandhi.
1: Will it make me want to do weird things with cats? No. Good. Because no. I have two cats, and <laughs> I want to keep them safe.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no. Me. But you, because you have two cats, the probability that you are infected is pretty high. Uh, If you clean out their litter boxes, then you might get it because you can get it from handling. I definitely have it.
1: (laughs) I have it so much.
0: So, the only risks for humans, which I'm making it sound like not a big deal, but it is like if you're pregnant, uh, it can cause birth defects. Oh, Um, just that. (laughs) It's fine. And also, it can increase the risk of OCD and schizophrenia. Unfortunately, Toxoplasma gondii hasn't been proven to make people want to hump the inside of a great white shark's mouth. But there's one way the parasite might help explain our strange attraction to serial killers. Scientists have shown people are more likely to be attracted to someone when they're scared. They demonstrated this by having an attractive lab assistant flirt with subjects on an unstable rope bridge, because scientists are assholes but also because they wanted to see if the unsuspecting study participants were more likely to call the lab assistant they were terrified while they met her. Turns out, the scarier they experience, the hornier they were. One theory is that our brain confuses the increased heart palpitations and sweaty palms caused by fear with the effects of having a huge crush on someone. So when you ask someone out on a date to a horror movie, you're using science to scare them into liking you. Way to go, bro. In the same way, T. Gondi works by using a lesion to crosswire the sexual and fear parts of the rat brain. So maybe murderers like the Parkland shooter trick their admirers into mixing up being scared of death with being horny for it. Speaking of tricking the human mind, we're going to take a quick break to infect your brain with a few messages. Back soon. Psychiatrist Eric Byrne wrote, One-sided love is better than none, but like half a loaf of bread, it's likely to grow hard and moldy sooner. Unreturned love is considered one of the most pitiable tragic fates echoed in artistic works from Goethe to Judd Apatow. The idea of romantic rejection hurts so much, it transcends species. I always wince when I see that Planet Earth video of this bird who turns neon blue and puffs up his ornamental neck flaps, desperately trying to dance and sing to impress a mate only for his best efforts to fall flat. But does unreciprocated love always have a tragic ending? Can you make it work even if the object of your affection is incapable of feeling love? Alex and I will discuss some very unusual tales of unrequited love that make us question whether that loaf of love bread is half eaten or half full. During the break, we were checking out some dinosaur erotica. On Ra-
1: I'd say rather Katie was checking out some dinosaur <laughs> erotica, and I was watching Between Tented Fingers.
0: <laughs> uh, it's I don't want to spoil the ending because this is a great short, weird short story. You can actually read it for free online on Project Gutenberg. They did not pay me to say that. Um,
1: they don't have any money to pay anybody to do anything. <laughs> How could they do that?
0: Like, bad business model. Just like, we'll put books online for free. And then they're like, and? And they're like, ah, oh, darn it.
1: <laughs> but we already did it.
0: Um, and the modern Balzac is an infamous uh, author on Amazon named Chuck Tingle.
1: I can't believe, I can't believe you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, he's... An incredibly prolific author who has, uh, it's pretty much exclusively erotica as far as I know. Um, And he's written like hundreds of short novellas on Amazon that he has self-published. And one is called, um, and these are the literal titles, I'm not making these up, Space Raptor Butt Trilogy. Um, Here's another one. Helicopter Man Pounds Dinosaur Billionaire Ass. And Donald Trump pounded in the butt by the handsome Russian T-Rex, who also peed on his butt and then blackmailed him with the videos of his butt getting peed on. So who's to say literature isn't dead or is dead? Because it isn't.
1: No, it's thriving, <laughs> clearly. Have you ever read any work by Chuck Tingle?
0: Because um, we
1: were talking about this before we got in the booth. I didn't actually think that these were real books. I thought it was just, like, funny <laughs> memes that the kids like.
0: Uh, no, I think they're real books, but I say that in very loose terms because it's, like, it's very funny. Like, he's aware his books are funny, but there's actual try-hard dinosaur erotica on Amazon. Try-hard?
1: Like- Is that like a triceratops, but with three? <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked up. There's a market for everything, as evidenced by the dragons fucking cars subreddit <laughs> which is huge i mean as big as any subreddit that isn't r donald or something can possibly be oh my god be.
0: oh you know what's weird is like i think i've actually so I, i'm not familiar with this subreddit i'm not familiar at all but i have seen uh i think i was actually doing research for this podcast and somehow i saw a gif of um a dragon having sex with a car and I was like, oh, that that's rude. That's pretty rude. And I, I, was, I was watching it, you know, and like, I realized you could see a fully rendered dragon wiener through the windows of the car. They had lovingly rendered
1: <laughs> the dragons, but it was a, like, I think I've seen this. It's a human looking cock, right?
0: Right, right. So it's like this like CGI realistic looking dragon, like opening up the trunk of the car and then, you know.
1: Lovingly sliding right. it into the boot Lo- of the car.
0: Or as they call it in the industry, loading groceries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> loading the sweet dragon groceries. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so like the dragon thing combines a, a dragon fetish with a car fetish. Which is like, I I would never imagine there would be enough people that have that converging fetish for that to be a big market for that.
1: Here's the thing I think about fetishes based entirely off of nothing. And I realize you can't do that in science. I think that if you present someone with a weird fetish, maybe one out of every 10,000 people are going to be like, yeah, all right. (laughs) Like that (laughs) wasn't, yeah. Why not? That wasn't my thing, Uh, (laughs) but I am open, and I'll give it a shot. (laughs) And that's a lot of people in the entirety of the internet. Yeah,
0: their trunks are open, and they want to give it a shot.
1: (laughs) They want to load
0: groceries. (laughs) Loading groceries. So speaking of um, being sexually attracted to cars, there are men who are, it's not just like by proxy of a dragon, but like they fall in love with their cars, literally, sexually, romantically, it's really interesting because you're talking about like maybe when people are exposed to a fetish, they, like, it, they're like they more likely to latch onto it. I think like the fact that cars are sexualized in normal culture, like you see a car commercial, it's like, oh, look at this car.
1: Oh, uh, I want to, uh, in the car.
0: <laughs> I like
1: that the wire crossing isn't just I want to get sexual gratification from my car, but it's my wife now.
0: That's what's fascinating to me because like there's definitely just like sort of the fetish but like i watched this video of this guy talking about his car and he named his car vanilla vanilla uh-huh it, it was a it was a white car
1: wow <laughs> that guy's sexuality might be creative but that's the only thing about it right
0: that he was not not reaching far enough for that but uh like he could have called it like bianca or something but no oh that's great yeah that's but really no great. no he's like oh, i don't know Van- vanilla uh maybe it's like no my sex is vanilla <laughs>
1: I only fuck this car missionary.
0: <laughs> but he was, like, talking about it in the way, like, he was saying, like, we are in, in a loving relationship as if the car could reciprocate. And he was, like, pointing out little parts of the car, like, see this? And he's, like, pointing to, like, where the windshield meets the front of the car. And he's, like, I love this car. And he, like, kisses it. And like, it's, like.
1: Do you know what kind of car it was?
0: No, I, I don't know enough about cars. Okay. That is not my, uh. That's cars not, are not my bag. <laughs> cars
1: are not your very specific feather. Right,
0: right. Um, and I think that's interesting because a lot of men have that. And so maybe it's sort of like the targeted ads towards men with cars. Like maybe that kind of... Because like women also can have this sort of object sexuality. But like usually it's stuff like the Golden Gate Bridge. And when I say usually, I mean like, yes, there are mul- like multiple women who are like attracted to like the Berlin Wall or the Golden the Gate The Berlin Bridge. Wall? Yes, Yes,
1: it's a symbol of oppression.
0: Uh huh. Which so, <laughs> I was watching this documentary on it, and it it was really fascinated be- because like she ha- was in the Berlin Wall Museum, and things got a little awkward. Woof. Yeah, and like this woman, the the um, museum curator was saying like, "No, this is like, how can you love a symbol of, you know, oppression and um, you know the people dying." And she's like, yeah, but, you know, I see past that like she she was saying that she could relate to the wall because like she was saying that it was rejected by people and she had felt rejected. So I mean, like, God
1: I, damn, we are fascinating people.
0: I mean, I I sympathize with her. I felt like, man, that that's kind of touching that she sees something in this structure that most people see, you know, but
1: that is straight up Nicholas Cruz shit. <laughs> That's straight up is. the same as the women who are sending this right, yeah. mass murderer pictures yeah. of their cleavage. Yeah. Cause does she think that if she fucks the Berlin Wall, she can fix it and make it into a good wall? Well, there's and no, it'll, it'll I'm pretty people sure there's together no now? fixing
0: that wall. That wall is pretty broken.
1: <laughs> no, but her love.
0: Her love will build up that wall. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> her love will put that wall right back right. between the two Germanys, but it'll be good this time and make <laughs> be, people happy. It'll
0: be a nice nice wall you can have sex with.
1: No fucking David Hasselhoff there to help tear it down. <laughs> um, I bet she hates Knight Rider. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's so interesting because that specific one is kind of a crossover between like the bad boy. It's like like the bad boy of architecture is the Berlin Wall. Do you think that's why
1: people like dinosaur fucking? Hmm. I bet that I can Maybe. turn this king of lizards
0: this, into can, a
1: good lizard.
0: Right. I can make this raptor love me through the power of my love. Some of these object sexuals fall in love with things that are not. Wait,
1: what are they called?
0: Object sexuals. Oh, boy. This is not a term by the psychology community. It's a term that they came up with for themselves. Isn't that
1: great where you like get to label what you are? (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, I like to jerk off into my sock. I'm a sock sexual. (laughs) It's not a weird thing I do. I
0: mean, I'm always so like, like one of the women in this documentary, she fell in love with like a banister and like a an amusement park ride. So I think she just had a really hard time relating to people. And she really kind of craved this affection. And somehow she, inter- like, because, like, the the weird sort of common denominator is they think that they're receiving love back.
1: That's the thing that throws me off the most. Because I can understand feeling awe by anything, anything in the world. Right. Because the fact that we all exist is ridiculous and the fact that something was made either naturally right. there's or- there's
0: something, there's like, like when I see a, a, a windmill, like one of the modern big windmills, I feel this sense of awe, because it's, so, it's just like this big looming thing and it's kind of scary, but also just like, whoa, that is so cool.
1: So cool. And I can get that, but thinking it loves you back- Right. Okay, I kind of want to go a little Freudian here. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds, and it's a bit of a stretch, But some of the things that the women love tend to be longer and thinner, and the things that the (laughs) men love have curves. Because cars are at once very like masculine, because they have these mean, whatever, masculine, feminine. They, it's all a bunch of words.
0: Well, it's. I mean, like that's really interesting. I mean, I wonder if there is some part of the brain that's like, okay, this shape is sexy, and then like you apply the shapes that you see in the car because they point out specific little parts, which kind of makes sense, like, when you talk about someone you like, you're like, oh, I love their eyes. And they say that about, like, the the a world, and it's like...
1: <laughs> I love it. When you were talking about the guy with his car, and you're like, I love where the windshield meets the right. like, the thing here, it sounded like, like, I love my... My partner, I love her dimples. She's got right, really right. cute dimples. And right, it, you zero yeah. in on
0: little little parts. You
1: know what this makes me think of, and you will probably love this because you like evolutionary biology, <laughs> is um, there's this complex that everybody has it but some people have it like to the point of it being I think neuropathological but where you see faces Mm -hmm. in everything
0: yeah because um,
1: we're oh you know it
0: yeah and the the opposite that's oh what is that called I forgot what what the name is um we'll we'll edit that in we'll fix it in post
1: it's called (laughs) pareidolia (laughs)
0: um but like the the opposite of that is called prosopagnosia or you can't see faces very well.
1: That's face blindness. Yeah, face blindness. Back when I used to improvise, I was so bad at remembering characters' names that I would always say I had face blindness <laughs> as a character <laughs> choice. Uh, I'm a bad improviser. <laughs> but the fact that you can see faces and things that aren't faces is like partly why we right. have certain types of mythology. But right. also,
0: like you see a face in like tile patterns and stuff, mm-hmm. like like things where there's sort of a random pattern, like you'll see like a face. Uh,
1: we're Built, yeah, people who saw because we faces have, more, yeah.
0: From infancy, we have that archetype of what a face is, and it's built into us, and so it's, we're really keyed in to finding that. And what's really interesting about that is we've got our little animal subject coming up who has that same exact thing happen to him.
1: Do you want to go to that, or should I finish my, like basic Freudian point
0: oh you you can you can Freud as much as you want
1: (laughs) yeah Bannister is just very phallic right and you had the example I don't think you mentioned it yet of the woman who fell in love with the Eiffel Tower and like skyscrapers yeah those are very phallic twist though twist
0: twist she considered the Eiffel Tower to be female well it's got those hips (laughs) (laughs) so You know, it seems like a very human thing to anthropomorphize something that isn't human. But, like, take one of the most simple creatures, the bee. I love bees. They're so cute. Um, But as a group, they have extremely intelligent, complex behavior. But you take an individual bee, they're basically like a little computer program. Like, they can do these little dances to tell you, like, where nectar is. But they're they're like little robots.
1: It's so cool that they are... A hive mind. Right. They just don't operate through Wi-Fi or anything. It's like a slightly <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a slightly slower than the speed of light hive right. mind.
0: Um, right. But like when you look at an individual component of that, you know, they are they have a very sort of simple program running in their their little bee brain. But they will try to mate with orchids, and uh, it's a trick because when you look at one of these orchids, they don't necessarily look exactly like a bee. Like, are these human. bees or wasps? They can be both bees and wasps. Okay. I just say bees because I hate wasps and I love bees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's universal. Wasps are like the scary, mean cousin of bees.
0: Yeah, they're like the bully version. There, where it's like, ah, eh, you want, you want to you know ski on this mountain well my dad owns the ski lodge
1: and he's a wasp he'll <laughs> fuck you up don't get t because <laughs>
0: what
1: if there was a t-gondi that just focused on exactly the thing you're most afraid of
0: oh gosh you'd be
1: out there trying to like hook up with a bunch of wasps
0: i'd be yeah like i would be trying to hook up with the concept of death <laughs> So these poor little little bees or wasps. I don't care about the wasps, though. I don't care about their feelings. I hate wasps. So the bees will go up to this orchid, and they're like, it's a lady, because these are the male wasps seeking out to mate with the female wasp. And they're like, it's a lady wasp. You know, it's my lucky day. And like, and they go, and they, they like furiously start humping it. And they're like, well, this is weird. And then they leave. And the orchid has evolved to mimic the colorations and patterns oh, of female bees and wasps, uh, why would the orchid do such a cruel, awful thing? <laughs> it's because it's too lazy to produce nectar. And most flowers use nectar to get that sweet pollination from the bees. And the orchid is like, nah, I don't want to do that. Because nectar is expensive. Like, it's high sugar. Sugar is, like, the currency of biology. So it's like, they're like, no, I don't want to pay for nectar i'm just gonna
1: have this bee fuck me
0: yeah i'm just gonna catfish this bee (laughs) imagine if you were some
1: frat bro like (laughs) like some guy who thinks joe rogan is the smartest man in the world right and you're like walking out in the woods one day because i don't know you just decided one time to try mushrooms and you (laughs) saw this really hot woman who happened to have a bunch of leaves over her and she's just (laughs) like hey What's up? You want this, and so you went to town right on this woman, and then later you found out it was a tree.
0: Well, have you seen some trees? Some trees are sexy. Like, oh yeah, I have. Like, <laughs> well, they have like I've, like people will post pictures on on the twitters of like or or the internet of trees that or like, the subreddit or the subreddit <laughs> Trees are, are hot. Are, are trees sexy trees trees like tea. T I L F T I L F
1: Trees, I'd like to fuck.
0: Yeah, I'm bad at acronyms, but there we go. No, you nailed it. TILF (laughs) TILF TILF
1: sounds like, well, sylph is, I think, like a fairy kind of
0: creature. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so close enough. Yeah, like a dryad. Yeah, Um, but like we both
1: play Dungeons and Dragons, whatever. I
0: wonder if the Greek mythology about dryads were because someone saw because, like, what we're talking about is trees were like. They grow funny, so then sometimes it looks like they got a butt or like they got. Boobs. I think the
1: Greeks just wanted to fuck everything. I
0: mean, that is true. But like, I wonder. Because wondered... they didn't
1: have anything else to do.
0: <laughs> they had sports.
1: Yeah, I know. And, and, all and those sports are just sex. Urns. They those could urns are so urns. Those uh, <laughs> urns are shaped that way for a <laughs> reason. That is true. Those were fuck urns. Yeah. <laughs> they were the earliest sex dolls.
0: Oof. Urn <laughs> like to fuck.
1: Uh, this is my uh, this is my grandpa and uh, please I know he's in a but just leave him on the banister my dad chose that urn <laughs> I would have put him in a boxy square one that didn't show off his figure at all
0: uh, I don't think you're safe with anything if we've learned anything any shape you pick someone's gonna want to get with it um, but yeah I wonder if they saw like one of these trees that has those like curves and they're like that used to be a woman
1: Are you certain? Shut up! Uh, Why don't you go over there? Yeah, I'll get to you in about twenty minutes.
0: The gods turned this tree into a woman, so it's not weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Socrates, what are you doing? Shh, 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 shh. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. You can get after. Shh, (laughs) shh, shh. It's just, it's a tree.
0: It's a tree, but it's a woman too. (laughs) And the gods, you know, they have a great sense of humor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That crazy Zeus. I'm sure it was him. Um, they just invented Zeus so they could <laughs> fuck trees. That's it. We've solved mythology. <laughs> Joseph Fraser and your golden bow, eat your heart out.
0: Uh speaking of mythology, uh, do you know the myth of Pygmalion?
1: Um yeah, that's the one where the woman has a cockney accent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh close enough. It's um if it was a Chuck Tingle book, it would be called uh, Slammed in the Butt by My Own Marble Statue. <laughs>
1: God, that's evocative. It's so evocative.
0: <laughs> there's a Chuck Tingle for everything. Like For
1: every occasion. Yeah,
0: like I'm going to cross-stitch. I don't know how to cross-stitch, but I'm going to learn and then just cross-stitch Chuck Tingles for every occasion, every holiday. Arbor Day, there's probably one about sexy trees.
1: Slammed in the butt by a sexy tree <laughs> and it turned me gay.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, so the Greeks, being proto-Chuck tingles were like so you know they had this story about this guy who's like i made a statue of a lady and it's so hot i love this statue i am in romantic and sexual love with this statue and he prayed to aphrodite and he's like aphrodite i've I've got a real problem
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're the goddess of love right yeah 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 that's me that's me somebody you're into like i I can make it happen what do you want this statue whoa that is way out of my pay grade (laughs)
0: Uh, he's like, well, I got a lot of money. And she's like, tell me more. Because she uh, granted his request and turned the statue named Pygmalion into a lady. So
1: the statue just was a lady all yeah, of a sudden? Yeah, he's
0: like, well, okay, so backstory: He likes to kiss the statue. He likes to mac on that statue. And like one day he was like, time to tongue the statue. And he's like, huh. This is a lot warmer than I remember, and it's a real woman. And then they get married, and but
1: this woman is a baby. It's a hu- it's an adult-looking woman, but she has no memory. She has never had a thought before, right? And now she wasn't a thing. And right. now she's a conscious subject. I
0: think you might be hitting on some of the sexist undertones of this story. <laughs>
1: oh, right. That as long as it's fleshy and can walk around, <laughs> well, it's a woman.
0: More about this concept of like the perfect woman being like a doll, being this like statue that you have molded. Like like The perfect woman is a lump of clay that you shape to be your perfect woman. And it's interesting because Pygmalion is the basis of Bernard's Shaw play, Pygmalion, um, which was uh, turned into uh, My Fair Lady uh, when it was put in a movie. And then later with uh, Julia Roberts, the Pretty Woman uh, movie, those are all based on Pygmalion. But that original story was about the man falling in love with a statue. Greeks there...
1: have stories about people falling in love with everything but <laughs> people bulls yeah. their reflection swans swans trees yeah um gold
0: yeah that's true there's a, this poor little dude named Nigel who actually did fall in love with the statue really and i think his story may be more touching than pretty woman or pygmalion or any of those other iterations so nigel is a uh, gannet which is this kind it looks a little bit like a seagull but it's way prettier <laughs> It's sorry, seagull. like if a seagull cleaned up. Yeah, like if a seagull went through the uh my fair lady treatment, like yeah. then it turns into a gannet. But they, you know, they're the pretty seabirds with this like flush of yellow on their necks um and uh these wildlife conservationists wanted to establish a gannet colony on um, this place, uh, Man Island in Fiji. And to do that, they set up concrete decoys that were shaped and painted to look like gannets and then in conjunction recordings of bird calls that they broadcast out uh and hoping to draw gannets and so they would set up shop there um but the only one that uh responded was nigel and he and when he got closer he wasn't like ah it's a trick he's like i love you (laughs) and he it wasn't just all of the statues he picked one out he's like i love you it's
1: so sad it's like he's the only person who showed up for the party yeah They invited everyone and just Nigel showed up because he's a trusting guy (laughs) who, you know, he's not necessarily an extrovert, but he does try to put himself out there. Uh (laughs) So does anyone ever, uh, does any other Gannett ever show up and take care of poor, weird Nigel?
0: I mean, the story is so tragic because, uh, you know, Nigel had his one, like there are dozens of statues, but this was the statue love of his life and he would groom it and, like, cuddle next to it and all of the courtship behaviors. And and birds often are monogamous and gannets are monogamous. And so that was his bird wife. And uh, he... Uh, oh, God, no- this
1: is like a Decemberist
0: <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, the con- I mean, the conservationists were, like, following him with rapt attention because, like, when you're observing an, a desolate island and you have some bird drama, you're, like, probably crowded around the surveillance cameras and kind of like... Like, well, what's Nigel up to today? It's like the Truman Show, because they're like, well, we know it's fake, but we're not going to tell Nigel.
1: <laughs> that is so heartbreaking. Yeah,
0: it's it touches on some kind of like primal fear of being separated from all humanity and not knowing it.
1: Or that no matter what, you'll never... Woof! this is going to get heavy. Everybody buckle in. <laughs> um, that no matter what you're still alone. Even when you're with somebody else, I mean, you're still separated right. from them. It's just you can your... never You
0: can never avatar into your partner's consciousness.
1: We can't all be Jake Sully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like, I mean, there's a term in psychology called the, uh, or I think it might be philosophy actually, but it's called the psychological zombie and it's this concept mm. that we just assume other people are conscious. We can't ever know that they are conscious we, because we can't Consciousness is just a first person observation. You know, you can't. You can uh, just
1: infer right. that they are because you see what amounts right. to consciousness in you and your behavior. Right. And so this poor Nigel
0: right.
1: is in love, and that could be I mean, us.
0: I mean, what's interesting about it is I think that we feel sad for Nigel, even though, as far as we know, he was just deliriously bird happy because he was like, my perfect wife, she like is always there for me, <laughs>
1: but I feel so lonely thinking of because he was so good, he exhibited yeah. all the good behaviors, Right. Like, I don't think he ever fought with her,
0: no, I mean, like maybe he was like in marital bliss because it was just like my bird wife, she's so great, and she loves me, and she like always is tending our nest. And... we're trying
1: we're t- we we keep trying <laughs> no eggs yet, but you know, it's like God willing, maybe
0: imagine this little bird just whispering to his bird life like. It's okay, I still love you
1: we we'll it'll <laughs> happen if it, if it's meant to happen, Just, yeah, God will give us yeah. kids, yeah, <laughs> oh.
0: but uh, to your question, like yes, other birds did eventually show up, and here's the tragic twist is he didn't care at all that other birds showed up, like the conservationists fixed the audio system, tweaked it a little bit, and it actually drew in some birds, and he was like, "No, I got my perfect bird wife <laughs> He paid no, and then he he died like, um, you know, just a a little while after the Gannett colony had established. But like even. He
1: was a Moses. Yeah. He was a mo. If Moses, instead of striking the rock, had tried to fuck it, (laughs) this would be beat by beat the same story. Did they bury Nigel with the statue Uh, or at least get rid of the statue so that no one else can marry it?
0: I'm going to say that yes, they had a funeral with little Nigel and the statue, and buried them together, and they are in bird heaven. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to say that they they are in bird I heaven together. I need to believe
1: that. God damn the Greeks! I don't have a good <laughs> I don't have a good uh, follow up on that. I'm, just, I'm still thinking about poor Nigel. Poor
0: Nigel, yeah. <laughs> are people who fall in love with non-human objects mere outliers? or an extension of normal human behavior. People casually ascribe personality to objects all the time. When my computer freezes, I think of it as being lazy and impudent. My mom got a Roomba and it's become her new pet. She'll tell me stories about how Roomba got stuck under her chair and tried so hard to escape that she felt sorry for it. Psychologists have looked at the habit of people anthropomorphizing objects. A Harvard University and University of Chicago study found two major motivations that increased people's likelihood to anthropomorphize objects, isolation and a desire for control. Study participants who scored higher on a loneliness scale were more likely to personify an animal, as did those who scored highly on a desire for control scale. In addition, when asked to rank dogs on their levels of personality and emotional awareness, Participants were more likely to ascribe human characteristics to small, unpredictable, frenetic dogs as opposed to calm, large dogs. Do we imagine Nigel the bird has a personality because we fear loneliness? Is the idea of being the last person on earth, or the last bird on an island, such a frightening idea? We seek to control the narrative by ascribing a personality to Nigel? Or is Nigel himself falling in love with his sculpture wife due to his own loneliness and lack of control over his situation? When Simon and Garfunkel sing, I touch no one and no one touches me, I am a rock, I am an island. We don't believe them. We know nobody, not even Nigel the seabird, wants to be an island. We have to leave you for a moment, but don't start hump, hump, humpin' that statue just yet. We'll be right back after these messages. If you've ever been on an airplane, you know that the sound of a child crying is nearly impossible to tune out. It's even worse than the roar of a jet-fueled engine. Why exactly is it so hard to ignore? A University of Oxford study used brain imaging to show that the brains of adults, even those without children, are much more sensitive to the sounds of crying babies than to any other types of crying with increased activity in the auditory, emotional, and motor-cortical brain regions. But can concern for children break through the boundaries of one's own species? There's a theory as to why humans love little animals, called the baby schema. The baby schema describes the proportions of the head that are characteristic of a human baby that were thought to innately recognize, such as large head and eyes, high forehead, rounded, chubby faces, and a small mouth and nose basically every Disney character ever. Young animals that share these features may trigger our baby detection. Studies have shown people have a response of empathy and compassion towards baby animals. In fact, after viewing baby animals, people more generously rate human babies as cute, suggesting that baby animals reinforce and trigger the baby detection radar. In fact, cats take manipulation to a whole new level. Research has found that their solicitation purring that purr and mew combo that cat owners are probably familiar with as the feed me noise, is similar in frequency to the sounds of a baby's cry. And in an experimental setup, people rank these pleading sounds as more urgent than plain purring. It seems like cats have us completely figured out, but can animals be similarly tricked into loving babies that don't belong to them? Alex and I find out right now.
1: While we were on break, I couldn't stop thinking about that movie, Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, boy. Where, who is it? It's that handsome, wonderful man. Um, uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling falls in love with his real doll because he's, like, I guess now he's playing someone on the spectrum or something, hmm. um, but he falls in love with his real doll, and it, like, makes him very happy.
0: Yeah, that's a real thing. Or, <laughs> it's a yeah, real it's, doll. A, it's a movie. I've seen it. <laughs> right. No, but it's, I, I think there are actual... Dudes who like, like a real doll, it's a a sex doll and it's anatomically correct. And these guys like, I don't know, like I guess they fall in love with them because they are realistic looking, but they're a little off. I
1: could not. Things that look human, like that idea of the uncanny valley. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. I hate, like for instance, I hate puppets. I hate, I hate Wait, puppets. Wait,
0: like Jim Hansen puppets?
1: Those are fine. Those don't look like okay. people. But when I first moved to LA, I almost lived with this guy who made like giant guar puppets. And he was really cool and offered me a pretty good deal on the room, but just the fucking puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Something about puppets and like fake human like Halloween body parts. Yeah. Oh no.
0: I have this thing that happens to me whenever I'm in a department store where I'm extremely clumsy. So I'll bump into a mannequin or sort of like, Graze elbows with a, with a mannequin. I'm like, oh, sorry. Excuse me, like, sir. Like, well, you know, I, I, m- my grandparents were Canadians, so like, sorry is built into me. So like, like I'll brush shoulders and like I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, and I turn around and like, there's this moment of screaming fear where it's like, <laughs> you're not a people. <laughs>
1: Just where you hear the the scream noise. Right.
0: Or like the, the body snatchers where the guy's just like. <laughs> oh, God, that affects me
1: at such a biological <laughs> level. Things that yeah. aren't people but are people are right. so fucking horrifying. Right. I can't. I can't with it.
0: Do you know why it's called the Uncanny Valley?
1: Jesus, I do know it. Because something that is uncanny is a type of X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> uh why is it because as you so it's cute on one side of the valley, right 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 like like, uh, like a jim henson like puppet. really
0: yeah like like really sort of cartoonish you're like yeah, yeah that's cool
1: and then as it dips down and gets more and more human like a video game character it starts yeah. to become a
0: little more uncomfortable Like
1: uncomfortable and creepy but and, like yeah
0: like it's like a sort of a sharp cutoff because it's like you go from like jim henson to pixar to like Final Fantasy is starting to get a little like you're like, ah. and then it's like once you get to Polar Express, it's like bam! Yeah, down because d- like the x axis is wait, did I? Uh, I well, what one of those axes is uh, a <laughs> comfort level, so that yeah. comfort level shoots right down as soon as you get to the like, it's very realistic, but you can tell their eyes are dead and soulless, <laughs> right?
1: They're frozen, right? But once you cross back up. I I mean, nothing has crossed up yet, I guess, except for maybe, like, photorealistic art. Right. Like, that's on the other side of the uncanny. (laughs) Pygmalion is the other side of the uncanny valley.
0: It's like this idea that something's like, you're my buddy. And you're like, no, you're wrong. You're so wrong. You
1: don't... I mean, I've I've felt that with actual people people
0: before.
1: (laughs) Uh, So you don't have to be a puppet for me to feel that way. Right. That's the whole changeling thing. Right. Like, this isn't a recent fear right like that's existed in like yeah true fairy tales not like hans christian anderson everything is cute although no things were pretty fucked up for him but <laughs> like Fay, like right. hardcore right. fairy fairies
0: right they're messed up
1: they would snatch your baby yeah. and put a weird baby yeah. that wasn't just yours sli- it
0: looks exactly like your baby but it's a little weird
1: it's not right <laughs> and it cries too much and yeah. you don't have the kind of psychological understanding right to know that it just is like a
0: well, yeah. and it's interesting because it it like back then like fairies were in the cultural consciousness, and now it's like uh, aliens. Right. And so that's the whole body snatchers thing, like the idea of aliens coming down and like we're gonna put our agents in your midst, and it's gonna look exactly like you, but it's not you. Right. It's a
1: replicant yeah. or like a lizard right. folk or something. Right. Right. Right.
0: And we do this. Like, we are the aliens. It was us all the whole time, in the form of the BBC, doing this to little monkeys. What? Also to a bunch of other animals. So there's this insane show called Spy in the Wild, and it's, you know, the BBC Nature documentary folks who seem to do all the same ones, because it's always David Attenborough. uh,
1: It's David Attenborough and his roving gang of documentarians. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to fuck anybody else up who tries to take pictures.
0: Raising the savannah, yeah. Speaking of Chuck Tingle, there are some Chuck Tingle books that are very (laughs) food-focused that I found. We're Um,
1: we're going here now. Oh,
0: yeah. We're segueing in the best possible way.
1: I did not realize this would be so dirty, and it's right up my alley.
0: I'm always like, well, how do I segue Chuck Tingle? It's always Chuck Tingle. He is my savior. Get at us, Chuck. Here are some real novels written by Chuck Tingle, Mr. Tingle. Uh, one is called "handsome sentient food pounds my butt and turns me gay." Eight tales of hot food. <laughs> I love the
1: the adjective adjectives. God, I hope I'm saying adjective. Yes, I love the adjectives that he uses, like handsome. Yeah, and like rich. Because right. it's so. It's not pornographic. It's clean. It's very clean. I
0: kind of almost want to read it because I think it's gonna be like a sentient. You know, grapefruit is like. Takes you out to dinner and like compliments you and shows a real interest in your career.
1: Respectful (laughs) cup of coffee (laughs) takes me down to Pound Town.
0: (laughs) But uh, I mean, I think it is interesting because when we think of this book, we're probably thinking of like, uh, what was that? I almost said Foodtopia, but I think I'm mixing up Zootopia with uh, which was a very
1: oddly sexy movie. Um, and this is not coming from me but i've seen a lot of people on the internet be like yeah but that rabbit (laughs) like it's not just me right um yeah food fight where they all have that orgy at the end
0: yeah or it's not called food fight what is it
1: food 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 fuckers yeah volume six (laughs) yeah food
0: bone 10 (laughs) starring seth rogan uh if we're thinking of anthropomizing food, we think of like a talking tomato or whatever, but like right,
1: like an M and M's commercial. Right. But
0: we, what's funny to me is like we actually eat food that is already alive. <laughs> so like like if we do anthropomorphize pork, it's a pork chop that's talking. Not typically a pig that's like, eat me.
1: (laughs) Please, I want to be eaten. Yeah,
0: although sometimes, which really freaks me out.
1: There's a big thing in the last Hitchhiker's book about a cow that's bred to want to be eaten.
0: Uh, At the restaurant at the end of the galaxy or something, where it's like, it's a cow that has been bred to want to be eaten. Which Which is is
1: back to T. Gondi.
0: Yeah, or a comment on capitalism. Boom! (laughs) Got him!
1: (laughs) We did it! We took down the man. We
0: did it! Um... So like, you know, farmers are in this really tough position because they're raising food animals. And, you know, I, I'm i framing it like this. There are good arguments against eating meat. And I totally respect that. But like, you know, imagine a farmer who is an empathetic person, but who's, you know, he he's, that's his job. And they do, they struggle with this. Like when they talk about being really stressed out on the day that they have to, Slaughter the animals, even though, you know, they don't consider the animals pets, but they still are like taking care of it. And that's got to be like really confusing where that, like, you care about their health, you care about, it, and it's kind of almost inevitable that you'll sort of feel protective of them. And then, like, eventually it's like, well, but I'm raising you to be meat. Right. And like I had wanted to go into 4-H once, and I remember I talked to this girl who was in, it, and she's like,
1: "Wow, where are you from?"
0: I'm from San Diego.
1: That they have 4-H. They there? do have
0: 4-H. It's could I be so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> and so that the if you don't know, in that uh, Simpsons, he is commenting on 4-H, and that is the original meme. Kids. Okay. Now yeah. you know. Great. This is a learning podcast. <laughs> this really is. Um. But yeah, so like she was saying like, don't, don't do it because like you fall in love with the animal that you raise and you're eventually just, it's going to go off to slaughter and it's heartbreaking.
1: God damn, that is rough. Right. That is so hard. I mean, I'm a vegetarian for the most part. Right. I'm a polite vegetarian. If somebody invites me over and they're like, we've been making this steak, I'm not going to be like, well, fuck you, dad. Like I, I will be pleasant, Uh, but I'm a vegetarian. Because I can see myself in them enough to be like, God, I'm just made of meat, aren't I? And I don't want to be an anthropomorphized sausage.
0: I'm not a vegetarian, but I feel constantly guilty. So it's almost as good as being a vegetarian. (laughs) Yeah, it's good enough. You'll just
1: get an (laughs) ulcer and die sooner. So you'll eat less meat that way.
0: exactly. I have no guilt about eating fish, but like because like, fish are pretty dumb. Because of that
1: Nirvana song, uh, Underneath the Bridge. <laughs> it's okay to eat fish, because they don't have any feelings. Which is not true, That actually. was
0: originally George Bernard Shaw, I think.
1: Yeah, in yeah. Um, in Pygmalion.
0: Right. It's about a fish statue that a man falls in love with.
1: And he wants to fuck it to get rid of its Cockney <laughs> accent. <laughs> Fucked in the ass by by an old rich man until I lost my Cockney fish statue accent.
0: So I'm going to do a hard pivot from Please. that kind of sexual... Nonsense. Sexual love. And because like this is about, <laughs> you know, like the farmers that like love, you know, they, they care about the the cattle and the pigs and, and they just feel that, like even the butcher, like I, I read this thing about this butcher who's like, I, he's a vegetarian because he can't deal with it because. Woof. Yeah. Because he's like, I can't. Um, or actually, I think he specifically doesn't eat pork because like I've slaughtered countless pigs and I just, you know, it's there's some crossover between that caretaking and like actually you know farming which so that's just so interesting to me it's sort of like the Gandhi thing where you have the uh, rat where it's like somehow his wires between flee and I love you get crossed it's like you know your food and I love you get crossed and there's another Nigel level of tragic story here oh, actually even shit. worse I think oh, it's worse man. buckle I'm gonna up everybody leave crying <laughs> So there's this lioness uh, named, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but it's uh, Kamuniek, uh and she adopted a Little baby oryx, which that is a, it's sort of like an antelope. It's a little bit buffer than an antelope. It's like a swole antelope.
1: Yeah. And it drives a really cool car around Silver Lake <laughs> and uh, it does BJJ. And right. I kind of want to fuck it because uh, of Tegondi. Are those the ones with um, the shofar horns?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, And they're, especially the babies, are a real, real nice snack for a lioness. But somewhere in, like, she, she, chased after it. Everything was normal. Like, you know, she downed it and got it. And um, usually prey animals, like, once they are they know they're screwed, they're like, eh, give up. <laughs> like, they actually just kind of go into this, like, trance-like state because who knows why maybe it's All like, the DMT in their brains gets released <laughs> at that point. So like, you never know what, where you'll be when it, <laughs> when it hits. So she's just, like, kind of sitting there with it. And then she starts grooming it and taking care of it. Like, it's a cub. And this lasts for a long time. Wow. For, you know, days and days. Days turned into weeks. And it's like, but the tragic part, is you're thinking, oh, this is great. Instead of eating it, she became a mom. Well, a lioness can't really be a mom to a, a baby. Uh, orinx uh, or antelope or any of these, these animals, because they need to drink milk. And she didn't, you know, she was... Kind of a loner, she didn't have any cubs, so she couldn't provide Wait, she for. She was it. a loner, Like yeah, She didn't have a pride. Yeah, that was part of the thing is that she was just a solitary lioness, and uh, which can happen. Um, you can have your social outcasts, especially as you
1: know, she was a social outcast. Because she kept adopting baby oranges. Yeah,
0: it's like if someone's <laughs> like, here's my hamburger, but I love it. <laughs>
1: like, Okay, Katie, you can leave.
0: It's like, is she trying to nurse a hamburger? A <laughs> <laughs> um, hamburger
1: needs french fries for food, and you can't give it that.
0: Yeah, you can't. <laughs> As we learned from Sausage Party. Actually, I don't know the plot of the movie. I didn't movie. watch that movie either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably for the best. But, you know, so this first one that she adopted... Um, was killed by another lion, which is really sad. did
1: she th- throw down after?
0: Um, I don't think so. I think there's like a certain point at which another sad nature fact: like a lioness will kind of give up. Like they'll try to protect their cubs, but once it's game over, they just kind of like you know, it's game over. Leave them and let all yeah. that DMT explode in their brain. <laughs> <frame. laughs> but then she kept doing it. She kept adopting these little prey animals. What
1: did she? eat then if she was spending all of her hunting energy on
0: pet adoption. She, I, I'm not actually sure. I would imagine because she kept being alive, she found some food. <laughs> it was interesting because I think the the park rangers were really kind of concerned because, you know, she wasn't going to eat and the, the little baby wasn't eating either. And so they're like, this is a bad situation. <laughs> and so they started to like intervene and like they took the little uh the little fawn out from her care and like give it back to the herd. Um but then at some point they just kind of they're like, "Ah, let's let's let her keep it."
1: My dog used to do that. Oh really? I li- I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio and there's like a lot of space there because nobody wants to be there. Now they do. It's a cool town now, but it yeah. wasn't when I grew up. Um whatever. Well, you don't need my hot <laughs> take about southern Ohio. But so my I live near Woods and my dog Zoe would just come back sometimes with baby bunnies oh boy because she was very lonely and we couldn't do it we just have to like release them and she kept bringing baby bunnies <laughs> oh no. home.
0: like like totally intact
1: they were alive just very scared yeah <laughs> as i can you blame them
0: no it's like why don't you just kill me <laughs>
1: <laughs> i want to blast off man it's the only way i can go on a dmt trip dude <laughs>
0: Well, my, my cat brought a baby bunny home, but it was super dead. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I bet. Cats are killing machines. <laughs> well, not Cats this. have no yeah,
0: which is crazy because you think of, like, lions as, like, even more evil than house cats. Yeah. But, like, at least this one was just, like, it's, like, somehow. And here's the freaky thing is, like, after the rangers let her keep this one um, little fawn, like, she couldn't take care of it. It starved to death. Very sad. And then she ate it.
1: There's no use letting good food go to waste. Right,
0: but it's so strange because it's like, it's kind of like how when dogs eat their owners, like when sometimes.
1: When they die? Yeah. 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 I thought it was cats that ate your face.
0: Cats will do it too. Really? Both cats and dogs. Yeah. Um, And there's a theory that it's like they're trying, this is so sad. They're trying to wake you up by eating you? Yeah. Well, it starts out with like a friendly nibble. And then it turns, like, somehow their predation instinct takes over. So. Once they get the blood. So I just wonder if that's, like, what happened with this Linus, where she's, like, trying to wake her baby up mm. a la Lion King. <laughs> and then she's like, actually, this tastes pretty good.
1: Oh, God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's oh like when,
0: It's like if Simba was like, Dad, wake up. And he, like, chews on his ear and he's like... This is some good dad. He <laughs> Needs a little oregano, but you know this is some tasty dad. Well,
1: nobody's looking, so uh, tucking in, I guess. Yeah,
0: and it's it's like when he meets up with Nala as an adult. And he, she's like, oh, it's okay, you know that that like you didn't you didn't kill your dad. Like it's fine, and like you didn't do anything else weird, right? And he's like. Right. Totally. Right.
1: I have never not even once eaten my father.
0: <laughs> Who even eats their dad? She's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing, exactly.
1: Nothing. <laughs> so, let's uh, let's be kind of anthropomorphized and sexy now, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that like a lot of the things with like furries now was caused by The Lion King because like there's this one scene where Nala is like doing bedroom eyes at Simba.
1: I know exactly what yeah, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. That feels like a very anecdotal claim, but I want to go with you on it because it's easy.
0: And it's the lion that launched a thousand furry ships.
1: But I don't think all furries are sex furries. Some furries That's are sex true. furries. Yeah. And some furries are like dragon's fucking car's furries.
0: Is that furries? Because like, sure. It's, wouldn't that be like scalies? Or like...
1: Shit, I don't know.
0: Like... Carburetories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, are you the dragon or the car in this situation?
0: Oh man, I can't figure out if they're like associating with the dragon or like associating with the car. Like, who's the Mary Sue for them to? My like...
1: guess is because of the anthropomorphized penis, the dragon.
0: So they are the dragon. But they want to be with the car. They
1: want to fuck the car. Do
0: they think cars would only be interested in a dragon?
1: I don't think there's a plot to this. I think they want to be a dragon, and they want to fuck cars. And so why can't they have both? Right. Because it's 2018, goddammit.
0: Right. It is 2018. I think it's the year it's of the- year the year of the dog. The, oh, no. It's not the year of the dragons having sex with cars. Huh?
1: No, that's- uh, I think that's 2024. Okay. 2012 was the last year of the dragon. I hope. Oh my God, I hope. <laughs> uh, uh. Um,
0: I really don't want to end the podcast on dragons having sex with cars, you but don't? it seems like it's happening. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. The fact that we find the lioness's story so sad and disturbing demonstrates our ability to empathize with animal parents and their charges. It's why Bambi's mother getting shot destroyed millions of childhoods. But is this a one-way street, or can animals empathize with humans and human children? In 1993, a three-year-old boy fell 20 feet into a gorilla enclosure at an Illinois zoo. Horrified onlookers no doubt expected a tragically gruesome outcome. Instead, a female gorilla named Binti Joie picked up the child, gingerly cradling him in her massive arms she carried the toddler to an access door, allowing zookeepers to rescue him. Was this mere curiosity that we misinterpret as empathy, or was it an intentional act of heroism on Binti's part? There's a study of implicit empathy that shows evidence of chimps having empathy for humans. You've probably experienced the phenomenon in behavioral science called contagious yawning, where one person yawning causes you to yawn even hearing about it may cause you to yawn right now, definitely not because I'm boring. The theory is that this contagious yawning may be an unconscious form of expressing empathy. Essentially that mere neurons responsible for mimicking movement are more likely to activate if you empathize with someone. Monkeys see, monkey do, and in the case of the chimps in this study, they are just as likely to express contagious yawning in response to humans as they were to other chimps in their group. In fact, they showed stronger contagious yawning in response to humans than in response to baboons or even chimps who were unfamiliar. So if you're ever feeling lonely, remember, somewhere out there, there's a chimp who likes you. Well, on that note, uh, do you have anything to plug? And don't say cars. <laughs> Shit.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I had that so ready. I was going to load some groceries. Uh, yes, I do have something to plug. I also run a podcast that Katie will, she has recorded with me already, but I haven't dropped that episode yet. Um, I run a podcast called At Least There's This. It's a podcast where I talk to interesting people about some of these small silver linings in our world of shit. Um, I've had some amazing people on, like Jen Curran from Harvard Sailing Team and Michael Swaim from formerly of Cracked and now of Small Beans, and soon-to-be Katie uh, will be on it talking about, I don't know, birds.
0: Yeah, talk about birds. I love birds. Uh, I'm going to be on it in the future past.
1: Yeah, the what tense would that be?
0: The flask.
1: She'll be on it in the flask. <laughs> And that's it for me. If you guys are curious, you can find it anywhere where you download podcasts. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at at least pod, same with Instagram, same with Twitter, although I'm bad at all three. My Instagram needs some work.
0: needs more dragon and, and cars getting it on No, I that's
1: a separate Instagram okay. I
0: have. Okay. Yeah. Um, Invite
1: only. <laughs>
0: and you can find Creature Feature on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. New episodes drop every Wednesday. And you can find me, of course, at ProBirdWrites, because that is my bird person Twitter, and then my real person Twitter is at Katie Golden, but I would really recommend the bird over the, the, the real me.